Welcome to the Water People Podcast. When I was discovering single fins and riding these boards that slowed your surfing down and made you use your hips more, I, in turn, was discovering my own femininity and falling in love with my femininity and appreciating myself. And for the first time in my life, I felt beautiful. Today, we're listening to stories from one of my very favorite water women, fellow Floridian, Leah Dawson. Before we hear from Leah, we wanted to let you know about a pretty stellar giveaway we're running for listeners. We're teaming up with our sponsors, Sanook and Gary McNeil Concepts, to give one lucky listener a quiver of comfy footwear and a brand new Gary McNeil surfboard. To enter, all you have to do is hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review to let us know what you think of the podcast so far. That's it. We'll announce the winner during episode 13, and somebody will be scoring cozy new footwear and a brand new board just in time for the holidays. Thanks for listening. Leah Dawson is pioneering the gap in women's surfing between longboarding and shortboarding. Leah takes an artful and considered approach to riding anything, and her voice has found its rightful place in the heart of modern surfing. Leah recently helped to establish the Changing Tides Foundation to empower women and girls through travel and surfing. Changing Tides creates spaces for sisterhoods at home and abroad and runs a diverse set of campaigns, from community composting initiatives to taking much-needed menstrual supplies to girls and women in need. Leah Dawson brings a distinctly feminine interpretation to riding waves. In doing so, she's nurturing the space for the next generations of women to continue busting down the doors of patriarchal norms. Here, we begin where we always do, by inquiring about a time or experience after which she was never the same. Well, a story that definitely comes to mind, the story of how I came to to live at the hen house and, and it was a projection of of really my life path and my surfing path and um, my spiritual path and all of it coming into one. I had been living at Rochelle Ballard's house for five years and uh, it was such an incredible experience to be in her space on her piece of property and learn everything from yoga to cooking to cleaning to yard work to gardening and um, she taught me so much about everything like the most incredible mentor that um, a, a young uh, little surfer girl like myself could dream of for someone to not only take care of you on land but also in the water she taught me the lineup at sunset and gave me my first single fin shortboard to ride and um, really like put me on this amazing projected path to, I guess, my own self-discovery in surfing. I look back on it now and it makes me want to do that for the next generation and, and really be a, a force for change in other people's lives as well, because I feel so gracious for uh, what she shared with me. But anyways, it came time for her to sell her house. And she was going to move back to Kauai and just with her whole change of, you know, learning how life after the tour, she had spent 17 years on tour. And then the reality hit hard that, you know, when she fell off or when she retired off a tour, all of her sponsors just up and gone. And, you know, she was kind of expecting to have this career after her professional like competition career. So I saw that fall away and 
saw her deal with, you know, learning what it was that she wanted to do now. Um, so as she was still putting her massage and her yoga and her retreats and all that space together, um, we started really exploring the spirituality of surfing. And I'd go to like a bunch of different Hawaiian cultural groups with her. And I totally fell in love with the spirituality of ancient Hawaii and everything that they knew about water and praised about water. Their life was all about the praise of this life force. And so it was really hard for me to transition out of living at Rochelle's because I felt like that was my whole world up here. And I didn't really have an extended group of friends on the North Shore because I was so content being there and being home. Um, but I was crashing on a friend of a friend's couch, looking for a place to rent, trying to find a room that was affordable because on the North Shore, that's hard to come by. And the guy like had professed his love for me. And I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? <laughs> And um, I had a girlfriend, her name's Becky Mendoza, and I had known her for like five years at that point. And I always looked at her as a, a great friend. She's like a connector of people. She always brings people together. So she invites me over to her friend's house where she's staying. And she's like, oh yeah, come for dinner. So I walk up to this house and it's like, this really cool A-frame house on the North Shore, which is kind of weird because they're like mountain homes. And I opened the door and I like immediately felt this wave of home love. Like I instantly walked in and was like, I want to be here. This was what I was feeling back, back in um, at Rochelle's house. And I thought that that feeling was gone. And so I walk in and I meet the girls, Leanne and Anna, who were living at the house. And I had kind of met them through different friends and passing, but never had gotten to sit down and have a conversation with them and whatnot. And so we sit down and start like sisters instantly, just all gabbing away. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's some cool um, boards under the house. You should check them out. Um, there, I think there's some cool single fins and they knew that I, I had liked single fins. So, so I went down and for like three weeks prior to that, I kept having daydreams of finding this like old single fin swinging under a house. And every day I would have this daydream of like finding this epic board that I was going to fall in love with. And, and I went outside and like exactly what I had been picturing, there was peanut butter swinging under the house, this amazing 6'6 six, six, uh, single fin that a man named Dave Ronk shaped. And like right then, I just knew that the universe was answering my prayer for finding a new community and a new home and a new. And then I walked in, they're like, Yeah, you should move into the loft when Becky leaves. Like, we don't have anyone staying there, but we'll ask our other roommate, see if he's okay with it. And maybe you could just live in the loft. Like, oh my God. This is everything that I've been dreaming of. Friends, like a fi instant family and a home. Because when you don't have a home, everything's up in the air. And it's really, really scary. And I didn't have a place to go at that time. So instantly I just fell into this space of home and love. And, and it was definitely a reassurance that I was 
in the right place and the universe was supporting me in my desire to want to continue to explore my surfing life. Because I, after my spending time with Rochelle, I, I realized like surfing isn't about competition to me. And that wasn't going to bring me the joy that I feel so strongly when I surf. But at that time, there was no career for a lifestyle woman surfer. That was 2013. Cassia was pretty much the only one. And her time was starting to, to fade with, with Roxy and they weren't, they didn't see the gold that they had. Outside of that, I, I remember having so many conversations with you, like there's gotta be a space for it. We're swinging and missing on the most powerful part of, of surfing, which is the essence of surfing, not just the sport of surfing, but what lies beneath and inside is so much deeper and there's so many stories to tell and so many lessons to learn that can be applied to the paths that we all need to live on land. And so, yeah, moving in to the hen, we quickly named it. We were all just cackling at the dinner table on a rainy day and we're like, oh gosh, we're all hens. And oh, this is the hen house. And there was still a guy living there at the time. And he's like, nope. <laughs> And now to this day, like some, you know, oh yeah, the chicken coop. <laughs> but yeah, it, it um, has since been a, a place where so many women that just surf, not women that are in the industry at all, but just women that surf come through all the time. And it made me realize that this is the culture of women that I feel connected to and that I feel like we help to empower and to gain their own voice and to gain their own understanding of their place in the ocean because it's daunting for women to go into a man's world, so to speak. And, you know, you have to get dropped in on a lot and you have to fight your way. And it does get kind of like battle royale. You kind of have to throw some, not literally throw punches, but you really have to be aggressive in certain crowds in order to be able to get waves. So that for a woman can often be extremely daunting. So especially in Hawaii where the waves to begin with are daunting, um, it's been an incredible place to meet women that I want to be friends with. We started the Changing Tides Foundation in 2016. We've really been focusing on, on women's empowerment and creating safe spaces for what we like to call sisterhoods. Um, we've seen the power of when you bring women together in a space that is championing each other. Oftentimes, if there's a man around, there's you don't quite break into that whole feeling of, okay, sometimes it's really hard to be a woman. Sometimes like these are the challenges that we face. You know, women don't talk about their cycle. It's like this big shame thing when it's something that we we live with every month and it's why we're all here. And yet it's this big taboo avoidable topic that hardly any girls ever talk about. And so we don't really understand it and we don't really appreciate it for the gift that it is. So to understand that women like understand that some days they're not going to want to paddle out and that's just okay. It's okay to take a rest day because our bodies need it. I think women are more innately in tune with 
what it means to be human, maybe, because we see this part of our life every month. You know, our bodies are constantly changing. And some days we feel differently than other days. And some days we feel stronger than other days. And sometimes we have more balance than other days. But that's so beautiful. I don't feel ashamed of missing days because I'm on my flow. I like, oh, okay. Yeah. We're not machines. No, no. But we are intricate designs. The Water People podcast is brought to you by the fine folks at Sanuk. They craft the comfiest footwear around and have been advocates for a more playful and inclusive surfing culture for more than two decades. Thank you, Sanuk, for your support and for encouraging water people around the globe to protect their happy places. Learn more about Sanuk's partnership with the Surfrider Foundation at sanuk.com. Thanks also to Gary McNeil Concepts for their support in making the podcast possible. Gary McNeil shapes some of the quirkiest boards around and is constantly innovating with new board materials like bioresins and flax to reduce the petrochemical footprint of his boards. Learn more at garymcnealconcepts.com.au. I wanted to ask you about camaraderie sure. and, um, and the importance of having a community of women around you because a lot of us grew up without that in our surfing lives. I grew up with a pack of boys and me. I didn't even know what it was like to have another female friend in the water. It's so different now, so wonderfully. Thank goodness, I know. I know, we've really seen it evolve since we were kids. Mm. Um, Yeah, radically. Yeah, radically. You know, we used to be the only girls out in the lineup. Um, and if we weren't, then you're probably competing against the other girl in the lineup because I think our society encourages competition amongst women instead of community and togetherness. You know, I remember from a very early age, like almost competing to get the boys' attention. Well, we've, we've really been taught that um, womanhood has this edge of cattiness or... Sure competition or you know that's the that's the version that we've been sold that's like the dominant imagery or it was I think it's changed so much now but I remember even as a teenage girl thinking I don't like I don't even like women right I don't why would I want to be like that a group of girls catty and chatty and And gossipy gossipy. right because that was what was encouraged by everything that we saw on on TV and in movies, and it wasn't like, oh, women get together and they, like, start doing, like, spiritual magic stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that that was one of the great awakenings for me was to see that that's how dominant patriarchal culture was, right. that we had internalized those beliefs and turned against ourselves and our sisterhood, and that is the great undercutting of any power you know oh, for sure okay wait what would women surf surfing look like if we'd never seen surfing before and we were just out there creating it on our own yes totally yeah because our version our standards of good were created by and for young men and the, exactly. the bodies and abilities of young men exactly so what would it look like what would it look like i don't know like let's start exploring that and <laughs> writing that i read an article last night on Surfline by the writer Nick Carroll, and he ha- he put together a 
bunch of ideas for what surfers will be talking about in 2019. And one of the items on the list was the death of mid-lengths. And he wrote about how mid-lengths were basically for fat middle-aged men huh. and that they had no real purpose or vision compared to other design concepts. That's interesting. How do you feel about that? Um, I feel like it, that may ring true for, for some people, for some surfers that are looking for a certain experience. Um, I disagree kind of wholeheartedly <laughs> because a good mid-length will allow you to catch nearly any wave and it will allow you to get great projection and momentum and a good mid-length will also have a good weight on it so that when you turn it it feels like it has momentum and it's turning with you it's like a blend between riding a log and riding a shortboard you can apply an extreme amount of elegance into riding a mid-length. And so if you're trying to hot dog a mid-length, yeah, that's done. Like, yeah, move on. Go ride something else, like get your wide fish or do whatever. But if you slow down and let the wave tell you what to do, oh, it never gets old to me. I grab my mid-length more than anything. Yeah, I feel like that perspective really comes from this um, dominant forward progress view of surfing mm. where more is better, faster is better, Faster's better, right? more progressive is always better. Mm -hmm. But I think we both appreciate subtlety in surfing in different, totally Very different much. ways sometimes. But yeah. I know I love the subtlety um, of mid-lengths and... Yeah, exactly. The the weight and momentum. You don't have to use brute force. Right. And when you have a typically smaller form like we tend to have compared to our surfing brothers, you know, that can come in as a real advantage. Right. You get the feeling of glide. And that's like my favorite feeling hmm. um, in surfing when you don't have to create speed. You're just um, using physics to go fast. You're surfing is at the very forefront of interpreting surfing again from a very feminine place. I think it echoes Rel's surfing in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. soft but strong, mm. feminine but without sacrificing any strength. Right. Um, and I, I mean, I, we've known each other for quite a long time and you've always been an exceptional surfer. Um, but I watched you go through you know, the sort of early parts of your surfing career where you were working with some of the endemic brands and not really being valued for all the talent that you've always had, you know, working with some of them, dropping out of working with them. But I feel like it's been since you've been riding mid-lengths and mm -hmm. single fin shorter boards that you've really come into your own and you've really, yeah, found your voice and your style as a powerful woman surfer. Yeah, Um it was kind of right at the time where I moved into the hen house. I'd been riding single fins for a bit with Rochelle around like 25. I remember I never really felt um, extremely feminine on land. I was never attracted to makeup and dressing up and high heels and the whole thing. I felt very um, in tune with my, my body and I loved being a woman. But I never quite felt 
a, a calling to like showcase it and embellish it and rather kind of the opposite. I tend to dress down. But when I was discovering single fins and riding these boards that slowed your surfing down and made you use your hips more, I in turn was discovering my own femininity and falling in love with my femininity and appreciating myself. And for the first time in my life, I felt beautiful. Like I saw my deeper side of myself and not caring what, you know, I look like in the mirror, so to speak, but I could see like straight through the mirror into my soul. My soul was happy and that felt beautiful. And so it's been a continued journey of, of riding these different boards with different shapes and whatnot. But yeah, the mid-length size has really allowed me to explore my surfing and wanting to soul arch on every wave. And I, I know like it may get boring for others, but it sure feels good. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you stop? Why would I stop? I think know? that's beauty though. Um, beauty, real beauty is embodiment. Right. Being in your... Exactly. Being Just in it. feeling it. And then I started watching videos and, and meditating on photos of Rel and so Many of my favorite moments of her are just her with her hands up. And you can see through any photo or any video that she's in love with the ocean. And that's what, if I, if someone sees me surf, I want them to know that, that there's like a praise and an appreciation for um, this moment of time and, and the gift of, of the ability to enjoy it and speak this language. So yeah, I, I attribute a lot of my self-discovery to um single fans it's it's wild you grew up in orlando grew up in orlando yeah home of mickey mouse and i literally was like with mickey mouse growing up yeah my dad worked backstage of of um mgm and so like every friday my mom would pick us up and take us over to the theme parks and we'd hang out for a couple hours and then often when I was seven my parents bought a a beach house so we just started going going to the ocean all the time because yeah I guess it was right when I was about three three and a half um we would take like the ski boat out all the time and my parents like tied a rope to a boogie board and just were dragging me super slow behind the boat. And I guess I just stood up all of a sudden because I saw them standing up and I thought that I should stand up too. And uh, so the next week and they're like, oh, we got to take surfing. My dad put me on the front of his board and I was like, so at home. Was he a surfer? Yeah. 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 Yeah, He uh, grew up in, in Southern California surfing and never um never that well um (laughs) now looking back I'm like dad you had the biggest stink bugs dance (laughs) but he loved it like they taught me um for sure I I saw it from them a love for the ocean and a respect for for the ocean um and recognizing that it is always going to be more powerful than you and that's the most humbling part of it is that you like immerse yourself into this space that you have to tune into and kind of release your your pride and your ego to become a part of of something much bigger than yourself I just had a vision of the first time I got caught in a ripped current when I was like probably seven or eight and it was sucking me out to sea 
And I remember seeing my dad on the beach and he was wearing sweatpants. He always wore sweatpants <laughs> growing up. He was like always in sweats. He passed it on me. I'm like always in comfy clothes. But he was in, in sweatpants and I remember like just like trying to swim. I could I was a good swimmer, but I couldn't I didn't know what to do in rip currents at that time. And Florida has some crazy rip currents. And my dad like just beelined it for me in his sweatpants and came and saved me. And I remembered from that day on um, that I had to pay more attention to the ocean and that there was little intricacies with with being able to read the ocean um, that I needed to, one, respect and two, uh, become a lifelong learner of. I feel like I'm still learning so much about the way water moves. Oh, yeah. And we will un- until we die. It's it's um, being able to predict the unpredictable is kind of the sorcery in a sense. It's, it, a, it's another language altogether, isn't it? Yeah. It's different. I talk to friends that sail a lot and they speak of the, of the ocean, the sea, in like totally different ways. And they speak the same, maybe a different dialect of the ocean but it's still this universal language that we get to learn how to tap into her rhythms and um yeah it's it's such a quest can you tell me about the wisdom of the teenage mutant ninja turtles oh my gosh (laughs) yeah (laughs) i have to ask you this because your your dad was really passionate about the story and was fundamental in turning that story into a film when we moved to florida my dad um he's independent film producer my dad had just gotten fired from um producing the mickey mouse club because they hired a new executive that came in and fired everyone right after they had hired jt and that whole christina and that whole britney spears generation so he had worked on all of those and then he was down and out with three brand new kids so my dad goes over and reads this like dark 80s comic about these teenage mutant ninja turtles and they're like we should just spin it and make it make them surfer dudes and make it a family fun thing and like cowabunga dude and so my dad went and bought the rights to the film or to he bought Rights to three action films, I think for like 15 grand or something. So cheap. And they offered my dad, they're like, for 40,000, you can buy that rights to the action figures. My dad didn't have, he couldn't get a loan big enough. But that would have been epic. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) So anyways, he made made the first one, went back to, to go buy more. And they're like, yeah, $60 million. He's like, but I'm part of the reason that... <laughs> for the action figures later. Uh, or for, the- for, for more films. So there wasn't another film until like like 18 years later. And because Warner Brothers finally paid that. Yeah, so I grew up um, believing that if you put your heart and soul into something, magic can happen sometimes. Going back to... The differences between men's and women's surfing. I've heard you talk a little bit about the hips in women's yeah. surfing and how they're more prominent yeah. for female surfers and how that changes the way we ride waves. Yeah, it is it is amazing watching the differences between women's and men's surfing. Sometimes you see it 
more accentuated than others, depending on the surfer. Um, I really like watching women's longboarding and logging because you can really see um, the difference. Um, and women shortboarding, you often find women trying to do the same things that men are doing and putting their body into positions in order to do that. And they can do it and a lot can, of the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they yeah. can. It's incredible to watch and super inspiring. Um, but there has also been this um, continued exploration from the days of REL um, and into Cassia and um, and then, you know, into into all the women's loggers and, and women that are exploring different types of surf craft. And that really has been evident in standing more straight up and tucking your hips instead of bowing out your, your hips. And, and a lot of times girls, when they're trying to surf like a guy, their butt will, will tilt and go up and we'll bend over and it looks like we're sticking our butt out because we have more accentuated behinds. So when those two things go together, oftentimes, oh, she looks like she's sticking her butt out. But that's just how it looks when we try and get into that position. And especially being in a bikini compared to being in boardies. Like, oh, my goodness, what we're up against. Like, <laughs> yeah, of course you can see your butt is out because it's out. Like, there's nothing covering it. Um, but once we tuck our hips up and kind of engage our core, it elongates our our stance and then we're able to see uh torso more and we're able to see um almost more like a ballet dancer and the extension of her arms aren't as rigid it's almost more fluid so yeah it's been really cool to watch women continue to explore hand placement and and um design of of how they're pointing their toes and all these different things that we're not going to see in men's surfing, even men's logging. Yes, it men's logging is extremely elegant to watch. And these guys look like um, male ballet dancers almost with how beautifully their footwork um, seamlessly goes up and down the board, matched with incredible power. Um, but what we're seeing in women's surfing is really beautiful because I feel like we're starting to see things that we've never seen before. And that frontier is really exciting to explore. And it's without judgment. Now just standing there is cool. <laughs> Again. <laughs> you know, like doing nothing and just appreciating the wave is, is awesome. Um, it's enough. It's totally enough. It, it's so it's my favorite thing to do is just stand on a wave and look back at the wave as it's breaking. So it's almost like this, yeah, this scraping away of what we're expected to do. Um, but then we also have that other side of, of progression, uh, which is incredible. And that's why I, competition is great because it helps us progress and, and to dig deeper and to see what's possible. And I'm a huge fan of watching the girls on tour um, continue to to push their game and and elevate um, their abilities, um, and I think Steph and and Carissa are doing a beautiful job at showcasing their femininity within this power surfing. I'd love to watch it more on an intimate level in films, um, in an intricate level, 
Um, yeah, it's not really happening as much anymore, is it? Where the, are the women's The surf era of women's surf films I know, came and I know. went. We got, uh, it's coming back. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> we got... Oh, wait. did we grow up with some inspiring surf films yes. or what? Oh my gosh. Peaches. <sighs> the original yeah. Blue Crush. The original... We had all those yeah. great Bill Ballard films. Mm-hmm. And then logging films, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that's really a space where um, our... Um, contribution to to women surfing will continue to to grow. Um, it is in in making content that um, one showcases um, style and technique and all sorts of things, but also tells the stories um, that are uh, you know we're getting back to the soul of surfing again, which is um, I was having a conversation with a friend who saw Jerry at uh, Jerry Lopez at, at Surfer Pole. Full disclosure, you date yeah. Jerry's yeah, son. Yeah, I date Jerry's son, Alex. Alex, which is just like a beautiful surfing um, destiny love story. Yeah, it's really <laughs> funny. I laugh at the universe's um, humor with that because it was so out of the blue how he d- Alex just randomly started following me on Facebook or on, on Instagram. And then saw that we had a mutual friend and reached out and was like, uh, hey, I want to know you. <laughs> he called me. I got a, a text from my friend that says, hey, this guy Alex Lopez thinks you're a babe. Can I give him your number? I'm like, wait, what? He knows who I am? How? how? Of course, Instagram. <laughs> um, and then Alex and I started dating. And Alex is an only child. So he is his parents' life. And they are such an incredible incredible team the three of them so to be able to not only start dating um an incredible man but to get a family another family along with it has been um beyond my most magical dreams for love and and partnership so in that yeah I've become great friends with Jerry and but more so on like a very um daughter level you know we we'll talk about surfing sometimes but it's mostly just talking about life um, you were talking about a surfer who yeah. encountered, sorry, right. interrupted you. Yeah, so that's we it. were, or, um, I didn't go to surfer pole. I don't really, uh, that's not my jam. But uh, Jerry had flown in the day of it this past winter. And um, one of our friends, this guy Jake, was was there helping keep people moving on from, you know, helping guard Jerry a little bit. And he said to me, he's like, you know, it's funny, every person comes up to Jerry wanting to tell them their life story and to thank him for, you know, whatnot. But what is it about Jerry that more than anyone else in the room, there's, you know, every best surfer in the world was in that room. And why does everyone just want to talk to that one guy? I thought about it for a very short time, and it's clear that he is the forever representation of the soul of surfing. And it's what we want most. This is a man that influenced uh, an entire culture uh, because of his way of riding waves and his way of life and his speaking of, of appreciation of our ocean and whatnot. He did it all beautifully, didn't he? Yeah, very elegantly. And he, it's not like he made a lot of money. He didn't come out rich on the other end of this. It wasn't about the money for him. It was about the exploration and the joy of riding waves. So 
if there's anything to take from that, it's like, be that, enjoy, express that, follow that path, do what Rel did and go in the ocean every day and say thank you. Thanks, Leah, for your big heart and your grace in everything that you do. You can learn more about Leah Dawson on Instagram at Leah Loves or through her website, changingtidesfoundation.org. Special thanks always to our sound engineer, Shannon Sol Carroll. On behalf of myself, Lauren Hill, and my partner in rhyme, Dave Rastovich, thank you for making the time to listen with us. We'll be continuing the conversation on Instagram, where we're at Water People Podcasts. You can find show notes and links from each episode on our website, waterpeoplepodcast.com. <laughs>